this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thanks for joining me. As always, at the beginning of a new episode, I would like to first announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 67 was entered to win a signed deluxe edition of our new children's book, Annie and the Swiss Cheese Scarf. I randomly chose between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Alice, or Guppy Mommy on Ravelry. Congratulations, Alice. I will be in touch so I can get your shipping address and get this mailed on out to you. Thank you to everyone who participated and for all of the nice comments left about our latest book project. I really appreciate it. So since I've started podcasting once a month instead of every two weeks, I find that because I'm such a busy mother and knitter, at the end of the month each month, I just have way too much to talk about. There's just too much to catch you up on. And this episode is no exception. I've had so many knitting-related things going on in my life lately. It's hard to know where to begin, so I'm just going to attempt to give you the condensed version. You know how in my past several episodes I've talked about working on my design collection? I felt a little bit bad about that because for the past six months or so, it's consumed all of my knitting time and left me very little to discuss on the podcast. After all, I never like to give away too many design details too early. But now, my friends, I am officially done with all of that. Now, this time I'm really done. I have right now in my living room a large bag filled with 12 new designs, all complete. And by complete, I mean that the garments are, of course, finished, the patterns have been written, they've all been photographed, and now all of that information is being compiled into a book by my graphic designer as we speak. Now this will be a new knitting pattern book for me, self-published again, just like Coastal Knits, and it will be out in the spring of 2013. I'm hoping for early spring, but sometimes these things can take a little bit longer than you think. So I'm not quite sure yet what month it'll be available, but I'm hoping sooner rather than later. I will keep you updated. I have to tell you, I'm incredibly proud of this little collection. I love how all of the pieces turned out and I just cannot wait to share them with all of you. Now this project was really big for me. I thought Coastal Knits was a big project, but in that book I only designed five pieces. Hannah Fedig designed the other five, so that was nothing compared to this. This is 12 pieces. This was big. This was really big for me. In working on this huge project, I learned something. It's true that you never stop growing as a knitter. I've been knitting for 10 years now. And a few years ago, I remember that I kind of mistakenly thought that 
I sort of had already learned it all. I kind of just like, I felt like I kind of knew everything there was to know about knitting, pretty much. But I was really wrong about that. I feel like I have learned just so much, so much more in the past few months. And this collection really caused me to grow in my skills of designing knitwear and in my understanding of garments. Strangely enough, all of these designs came pretty easily for me, and that's not usual. There have been many times in the past where I've struggled and struggled with certain pattern projects, but these, for some reason, seem to just flow out of my mind and into my knitting rather effortlessly. It's like something just clicked in my brain. I think that's why I feel like I've just improved so much, and that's really exciting for me. It makes me motivated to do more. One reason why I think this collection came fairly easily is that it's exactly the style of knitting that I'm comfortable with. Instead of trying to design an item to fit a certain theme or criteria like you would for designing for a magazine or something, for instance, I just designed what I wanted and I let the ideas flow freely. You will know when you see these pieces that they were done by me. They all have a certain Alana look to them. I can't wait to show you. I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Another big project that's been keeping me busy these days, besides this design collection, is the Annie book. As I mentioned in our last episode, the new children's book, Annie and the Swiss Cheese Scarf, opened for pre-order, and then our book shipment arrived from the printery a few weeks ago. And from that point on, it was crazy for about a week and a half. As our little family, including my daughter, and our extended family and friends, all, help a, all helped us assemble the deluxe editions and get everything out in the mail. And that took about a week and a half of insane work hours to do that. And even though it was a lot of hard work, of course it was really fun. My daughter really enjoyed helping us assemble the little kits and putting them in the envelopes and boxes to ship. It's fun to see a project the entire way through like that. From the concept of my daughter and my husband and I talking about creating this children's book to seeing the pages come together and talking back and forth with the illustrator and then now as a family shipping the books out to all of you. What a treat to see it come full circle like that. So I just wanted to thank everyone again for all of you that pre-ordered and have ordered the book. As always, I'm, I'm just so grateful for all of the support that you've given me and for all of the kind comments and feedback we've received for the project. It's brought a lot of happiness our way. It's just been a lot of fun. So again, I really appreciate your support. Thank you. So now that I can say that this design collection is pretty much out of the way, knitting-wise at least, and now we're all caught up with the shipments for the Annie book, it just feels so good to have these big projects behind me. And to celebrate, I've been relaxing in the evenings with some personal, non-work-related knitting projects. Let me tell you, it has been great to knit from other people's patterns 
and not have to stop and crunch numbers every two seconds while I'm knitting. This, this seems like this is turning into a little bit of a routine for me now. It seems like I work really hard for a while on just like work-related design projects, and then I take a little break and just do some personal knitting projects for family and friends and myself for a while to kind of rejuvenate, and then I go right back into design work. So right now I'm in that nice little lull in between projects, and I am enjoying it immensely. So first up, I've had some baby items on the needles, which leads me into kind of a funny story. From listening to previous episodes of this podcast, you may recall that I am a self-taught knitter. I didn't learn to knit from my mother or my grandmothers when I was young, like many knitters. I did teach myself from books, and when I was learning, I had nobody in my life that I knew that was a knitter. I mean, I knew of a few people that were kind of acquaintances, but nobody that was a friend or a family member. Knitting just wasn't as big of a thing 10 years ago as it is now. It wasn't as popular, it seems. So there was nobody that I could talk to about knitting. There was no expert I could turn to when I ran into trouble. And sadly enough, even the lady at the local craft store where I bought the yarn who claimed she was a knitter couldn't help me when I came in with a question. So yes, I was a lonely knitter for a while, but over the years I enjoyed teaching my friends and I was thrilled to help both of my sister-in-laws learn to knit and have greatly enjoyed sharing countless hours of projects and knitting time with them. I just love to teach people to knit, especially when they discover that they love it and continue with it and become obsessed with it like me. That makes me really happy. Honestly, I wish I could turn everyone into a knitter. Really, I do. But a few weekends ago at a baby shower, I realized that there is actually a downside to sharing knitting with the people in your life. I should probably back up a little bit. Here's the background behind this baby shower. I have this friend who's been trying for a second baby for a while now, and when she became pregnant with her soon-to-be-born baby boy, I really wanted to make her something special. Not just something I picked up at Target, something handmade. When I was pregnant with my baby boy and knitting special little items just for him, I fell in love with the baby sophisticate sweater pattern on Ravelry. It was quick, it was terribly easy, and it only took one skein of yarn. After just a few days of knitting, I had this beautiful little shawl-colored cardigan for my baby boy, and words cannot quite express how adorable he looked in it when we brought him home from the hospital. It was just the perfect sweater, and I think taking home my precious little newborn baby from the hospital in it just made it even more sentimental to me. And when I was making it, I was thinking, this would be a perfect future baby shower gift for somebody. So when I got the baby shower invitation in the mail for my pregnant friend and spotted 
one lonely little skein of Malabrigo Merino Worsted in a lovely navy blue color in my stash, I just knew what had to be done. My friend just needed this sweet little cardigan for her new baby boy. So I started it out of that skein of Malabrigo in the Paris Night colorway, which is just a really pretty color. And because it's such a quick knit, it was done in a flash. I used some buttons from my stash. I never had to leave the house to get any materials. It was great. And I really appreciated that because I am so busy these days. So it was nice to just have a no-fuss project that looks really cute in the end, like this sweater. So it turned out super cute. I wrapped it up all nicely. I bought a matching bow tie and store-bought hat to go with the cardigan that looked rather adorable, I must say. And of course, I was just really excited to bring this little present to the shower. I remember that I carefully placed my gift on the pile of the other baby shower gifts. And of course, as any netter would be, I was excited. Excited by the prospect of her opening up the box and seeing this tiny, soft, little, adorable sweater. As the presents were opened at the party, many lovely store-bought items were pulled from among the tissue and wrapping paper, and I just grew more and more anxious for her to open up my gift, but it seemed to be kind of at the end of the lineup, so I could tell it was going to be a while. I was still pretty excited about it until she got to my sister-in-law's present. Now remember, this is the sister-in-law that I taught to knit. She opened up her bag and pulled out none other than a baby sophisticated sweater in the same size. And funny enough, my sister-in-law even used the same type of hang tag that I did to label the sweater. Now, she didn't intend to copy me and I didn't intend to copy her, this was all just a huge, big, fat coincidence. I guess that's what I get for teaching my family members to knit. Now, granted, it wasn't exactly the same. She used different yarn. The colors and buttons were different. But I still feel like it sort of ruined the entire experience of my present. I mean, her reaction when she opened her second baby sophisticate sweater of the day, knit by me, in, you know, the same size as the other one, with the same tag, it was like, oh, another sweater, how cute. So that kind of totally backfired. So take a lesson and think of that before you teach your family members or your close friends to knit, or at least if you do teach them, make sure to coordinate baby shower gifts ahead of time. So shortly after the baby shower, my cousin gave birth to her first child, also a baby boy, and he was born three weeks early. And, and I was kind of mad at him for this because I thought I'd have more time to knit him something, and I just really don't appreciate him not thinking of that before, you know, being born. 
Now that he's here, I feel this intense pressure to send a gift as soon as possible to acknowledge his arrival. And so now I have a sweater on the needles and I'm just knitting it as quickly as possible. So for this sweater, I probably should have gone with the Baby Sophisticate sweater yet again because it is so quick and easy and, and I could get it done really nice and fast. But I was kind of bored with the idea of doing just another stockinette sweater again. And I just felt like doing something new and a little bit more interesting. There has been this adorable cabled fisherman's pullover called appropriately Fisherman's Pullover found in the book 60 Quick Baby Knits that I have been dying to make ever since I was pregnant with my son. I actually even bought all the yarn to make the 12 to 18 month size for him and then never got around to actually making it. It's such a cute little sweater though and I keep thinking about it so I just decided to cast on the smaller size for my cousin's baby. And my plan is to cast on for the larger version for my son right afterwards. For this little project for my cousin, I've actually been using some more stash yarn, believe it or not. This time I'm working with my leftovers from the Gramps cardigan, which is the Madeline Tosh DK yarn in the now discontinued colorway called Vintage Frame. When I bought the yarn for the Gramps cardigan, I for some reason purchased four skeins of this yarn, and I have no idea why. I'm going to blame it on pregnancy brain, because that seems like an awful lot of yarn for a baby sweater. What exactly was I thinking? Needless to say, the Gramps cardigan took like less than two skeins, and I'm now using these remaining full two skeins for the little fisherman sweater. And I think that there will still be some left over after that. But boy, does it feel good to use up some of this stash yarn for these baby knits. And this gray that I'm currently knitting with looks great in this sweater. It's just perfect. And I love how the tonal variations in the Madeline Tosh colorways bring out the cables. The pattern has been fun so far. The combination of cables and seed stitch are really keeping my interest. But it's easy enough that I don't have to look at the pattern. Once you establish the cable, it's really easy to keep track after that. For me, that type of project is just perfect. So I've already finished the front and back of the sweater, and I've now picked up stitches and have started to knit the first sleeve. So I am almost there. I'm hoping it'll be done within a week or so, and I'll be able to ship this off to my cousin in New York. And what a perfect little sweater this will be. A nice, cozy, cable wool sweater for a New York winter. I think it'll be just ideal. I'll be sure to post a link to the patterns I've just mentioned in the show notes of this episode, and I plan on posting pictures of my finished sweaters on my blog very soon, if you'd like to check them out. For this episode's book review and giveaway, I have a special little treat for you. I have here in my possession a not-yet-released, limited-edition, signed copy of Mabel's Closet by Hannah Fettig. 
Mabel's Closet is a sweet little booklet of patterns designed for and inspired by Hannah's new adorable baby girl, Mabel. This booklet is another collaboration between Hannah and the Quince & Co. Yarn Company. All of the patterns are knit in the beautiful Quince & Company yarns, and this booklet will be sold exclusively on the Quince & Company website very soon. A limited number of printed copies of this little booklet will be available for sale, along with the ebook version. So if you'd like to own a printed copy, you must act quickly before they run out. Now my first impression of flipping through this booklet is, wow, how crazy adorable is this? It contains six classically simple Hannah Fettig style baby patterns, and the styling, photography, and illustrations by Nisha Hudson are gorgeous and super professional. The booklet also came in its own little muslin bag with a matching pin, which was also a really nice touch. If you enjoy knitting Hannah's adult patterns, you will love these little baby patterns as well. The booklet includes a sweater pattern, two little jumper dresses, two hats, and a blanket. It's simple, clean styling in a sophisticated color palette with easy construction and pattern instructions. I think that anyone, including a beginner, could knit these patterns. All of them are in simple stockinette with any extra stitches and techniques for color changes or shaping defined in the back pages. Very doable. This is just a charming little booklet. And like I said, this is a limited edition item. So if you're interested, be sure to keep checking the Quince & Company website. It should be released any day now. You'll want to buy this quickly before all the copies are sold. I believe there's only 500 copies or so that will be printed. To enter to win the signed copy that I have right in front of me here, be sure to leave a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 68 by December 15th. I will be announcing the winner on my following episode next month. If you'd like to learn more about Mabel's Closet, please check out Hannah's blog at knitbot.com. She just recently posted an adorable video of her and Mabel introducing the book. So I have another great knitting story to share with you. This episode's hilarious story was contributed by podcast listener Jennifer, who is Jack Flash on Ravelry. This is her story of her Comedy of Errors sweater. Every knitter has a story of a project that, for whatever reason, just did not end up as planned. I have many, about half a dozen. Coincidentally, about the same number of full-size adult sweaters I've made. Each one of these garments started with an inspiration and great intentions, but ended up with me collecting yet another badge for my I learned it the hard way sash. I consider myself a process knitter, so these interpretations of patterns don't generally bother me very much. I knit because I like to knit. It's a practical and purposeful hobby. I'm a busy person. I'm a wife and a mother of three, 
and I have a busy job with a lot of responsibility. Knitting gives me a good excuse to sit still for a few minutes while keeping my hands and brain occupied. So I don't generally get too upset if a project doesn't turn out exactly as I'd planned because its main purpose, letting me knit, has been accomplished no matter how oddly shaped the final results may be. In some ways, I'm a fearless knitter. I'm not overly concerned about making a perfect garment. Don't get me wrong, I try to get it right. I do read the instructions and plan things out carefully. But at the end of the day, I expect to make a few small errors that likely no one will see but me. I don't get mad at myself for making mistakes. I do get frustrated with myself when I make the same mistake over and again. Or in the case of this sweater, a long series of increasingly ridiculous mistakes resulting in... Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Alana has been kind enough to invite me to tell her listeners about my first red sweater. I shake my head now, a scant three years later, about how absolutely wrong I went with this sweater. I didn't know it at the time, but this was my comedy of errors in six parts. The project was my Napoli sweater by Barocco. The sweater was a deep scoop cardigan with a wide and swingy back decreasing up to fitted shoulders. It was built bottom up with the back being a wide half circle that decreases as you move up towards the armpits. The front starts small on each side at the hip and increased as you work up the front. The finished result should be a cardigan that's wide open in the front except for a six inch panel with three big buttons across the bust. The rest was fairly traditional, sewn in three-quarter length sleeves set at the shoulders. Barocco's little descriptor read, Our swinging cardi is the perfect topper for your layered look. I loved this sweater. It looked like it was designed just for me. The buttons up front were modest, yet the design was playful. This was a sweater that would work equally well for both work and play. It was cute and stylish everything I wanted in a sweater. I quickly bought the booklet and set to planning out the project. Reading the pattern made me realize that perhaps I may have been a little over optimistic in my current knitting skills. Sure, at this point in my knitting history I could honestly say that I had successfully knit several sweaters for children and adults, but only if we liberally define successfully knit as completed a sweater that may or may not resemble the original pattern. We'll just be generous and call them unique. My, my point here is that I had finished many sweater projects already and I was ready to challenge myself on this pattern. As I saw it from reading the pattern, the most daunting part of this sweater was going to be tidily picking up the approximately six million stitches around the perimeter of the sweater to make the ribbing. But I was game. I was ready. This sweater was going to be mine. I had already mentally added this garment to my wardrobe, and I was already practicing how to gracefully receive the compliments I was bound to receive. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We'll start with the two most obvious mistakes probably made by most novice knitters. Sizing and yarn choice. Let's talk about my sizing decisions. 
for reasons that are now unclear, I was very concerned that the extra large, which was the largest size in the pattern, was going to be too small for me. I have a 44 inch bust and positive and negative ease was not a concept that I yet understood. The description on the sweater clearly reads swingy, implying a loose fit, but I was very worried about it being too tight across the back shoulders and chest. So my answer to this is that I would just modify the pattern to match my own measurements. Yeah, I can do that. Next, yarn choice. The pattern called for a Barocco yarn called Touche, a cotton rayon blend that, to me, looked to be a firm and dense fabric when complete. It looked heavy, but I really wanted a light sweater. It really did not occur to me that the firmer fabric used by making by using this yarn had a functional instead of aesthetic purpose. It called for a firm looking cotton rayon blend. So I went to my local yarn shop and immediately bought 100% bamboo. Yeah, that makes sense. You might be shaking your head already. I, I can tell. Things could have gone a lot better for me had I actually listened to the advice of the saleswoman at my local yarn shop. I showed her my pattern and the yarn that I had chosen because it was soft and I liked the color off the shelves and I asked for her advice. Choosing her words very diplomatically, she suggested that choosing a yarn similar in makeup to the one in the pattern, although not essential, would have been helpful to getting a sweater that finished the same way. She, she may have been a bit too diplomatic because what I heard her say was, cool yarn choice, dude, bold move, bold move. Then she suggested that the yarn choice in the same gauge would be an easier choice. Clearly, she could tell that I had no idea what I was doing and she was gently trying to educate me. She showed me that the pattern called for a yarn that was six sti five stitches per inch and she showed me on the ball band that the yarn I had chosen was five and a quarter stitches per inch. I think I rolled my eyes at her. I'm so embarrassed. I, I rolled my eyes at her. That is practically the same, I said with misplaced confidence. She assured me, firmly this time, that it was, in fact, not the same, and sat me down promptly to show me the math of how this would affect my finished project. This brings me to part three. Math. I will pause for an aside at this point. I assure you that I am generally quite good at math. I am an engineer by profession, so it's fair to say that I do a lot of math as part of my job. So when the local yarn shop lady said, was explaining sizing ratios and formulas for modification, I really did understand exactly what she meant. So off I head home and I'm now modifying my sweater to be larger and to deal with a different yarn gauge. I may, to be fair, have overcomplicated things for myself because I wrote this long formula on the top of my page and kept referring to it at each row when I was trying to figure out if I had the right number of stitches or not. My sister, who is always fond of teasing me, was heard saying, you can't just knit a sweater, can you? You have to turn it into a complicated lesson on algebraic equations. 
And that was about the point that I gave up my modification formula entirely and just started eyeballing it. Adding plus or minus 10 stitches per row, whatever looked good. I am sure that you can guess that my gauge was not even close to the five or even five and a quarter stitches an inch that it was supposed to be. I did use the needle size assigned by the pattern, but it didn't really help. Now, I'll take this time to admit two very embarrassing truths. First, I did not understand at all how measuring gauge or why it might even be important. Oh, I, I got that you needed to do math for stitches per inch for sizing, but I had no idea that you could knit a yarn in anything other than the gauge on the ball wrapper. I thought that if I used the instructions and the right needle size, that somehow I would magically get the sweater as designed. I thought the purpose of swatches was to see if you liked the drape and the feel of the yarn. So I would knit my little four inch square, wave it around and say, yep, sure is pretty and then do absolutely nothing with it. My second embarrassing truth was also my fifth error. I had no idea how to use something as simple as a stitch marker. The back and two fronts had many repeats or decreases depending on the piece being knit. I bought these little rubber circles knowing that they marked a spot in my knitting for future reference but my brain could not understand how they would slide on the needle with my knitting. So instead, in a desperation to get them into or onto, I knit them into my sweater like a bead along the bottom edge of the back. I guess I figured that I would just cut them out later. Each time I needed to increase or decrease, I would follow the series of rows up from the bottom to the marker. Sometimes I would forget if I had to decrease before or after the marker. Or if I wasn't looking close enough, I might mistrace the path and be over one or three stitches to the left or right required of the required decrease. Needless to say, there were no nice and tidy straight decreases up the back of my sweater. With these five very important and quite fundamental errors, it should be no surprise to anyone that once I pieced my sweater together and dutifully picked up and knit the six million stitches for the ribbing, that my final product was <laughs> huge, <laughs> oddly shaped and horribly unflattering. The sleeves were wide and too long, the shoulders drooped and the underarms sagged. The bamboo yarn was stretching each time I held the sweater up and seemed to be growing exponentially. Thank goodness I knew nothing then about blocking either. I knew I could not wear this sweater. I had worked so long and so hard on it, but I really wasn't prepared to throw it away. So my answer was to fold it up with the pattern, tucked it into my knitting bag for further contemplation on another day. The last part of my story is not pretty. Listener be warned. Part six of my story involves a little stray kitten named Leonard that our family was trying to adopt. Leonard was a beautiful cat and he needed a home and we wanted to give him one, but we were finding out that Leonard had issues. He would not stop peeing on things. He would pee in boxes of my children's toys, baskets of laundry and in school bags. 
we were trying to work through this issue and to reassure this little kitten that he was in a safe and loving place and that he had a litter box in which to do his business. To help him, we had closed off rooms in our house and stopped leaving bags and boxes on the floor. He had only been with us for a few weeks, but our patience was wearing quite thin. As I said, we kept doors closed and tried to limit access for Leonard into closed spaces, but being a kitten, he was curious and quite sneaky. He was constantly getting trapped in small rooms for short periods of time because we would close the door trying to keep him out, not knowing that he was already in. This poor cat accidentally got trapped for an hour or so in my bedroom closet. This is the same bedroom closet where I keep my knitting bag on the floor, awaiting enlightenment on what to do with this absurd sweater. He peed on my knitting bag. I didn't, I didn't even have words to express how I felt. I don't know how it happened, but the sweater was folded at the bottom of the bag, under a knitting reference book, under a pattern, the pattern, the bag, and the book had to be thrown away immediately, but somehow the one item in this bag that would have been no worse off covered in cat urine was miraculously safe. My sweater was dry and clean. I should lie at this point and say that I threw the sweater away, whether it was covered in cat pee or not, but I didn't. This is going to sound terrible, but I actually gave the sweater to my mother-in-law who I'd like to say that I like very, very much. I will clarify again that there was no pee on the sweater that I cleaned and washed it anyways. I am equally certain that my mother-in-law politely took the sweater off my hands as a kindness to me and immediately hid the sweater at the back of her own closet, hoping never to see the awful thing again. At least, I hope that's what she did with it. I shudder at the thought of her having gone out into public wearing that thing. The knitting bag was the last straw for Leonard and our family. He went to live on a farm shortly after I found the knitting bag. And no, that is not a euphemism for a more violent end to a cat who ruined my favorite knitting bag. And my favorite knitting reference book. He really did go to a farm. My grandmother uses the statement that it's a poor day if you don't learn something. Well, on this sweater, my comedy of errors, I was rich with learning. I learned, first, sizing is tricky. This is still somewhat of an ongoing lesson for me, but that's another story. Pay attention to the pattern for the clues as to how the sweater is supposed to fit. Second, Never disrespect the knowledgeable salespeople at your local yarn shop. These people know what they're talking about. They share their wisdom, and I should be smart enough to follow their advice when it is given. Third, math is fun and necessary in knitting, but it doesn't have to be complicated. See point two. Fourth, gauge matters a lot. Switch swatches have a bigger purpose than just being an extra four inch square of yarn. Fifth, stitch markers should not have to be cut out of projects. Do yourself a favor and read the instructions on a new notion. And last, but certainly not least, watch that you don't accidentally trap the cat that pees on things in a small enclosed area with your knitting.
I swear, that cat might have bought the literal farm had he peed in my stash. Thank you again so much, Jennifer, for sharing your knitting story with all of us. I hope that all of you out there listening enjoyed hearing from Jennifer as much as I did. I'll be providing a link to Jennifer's Ravelry page and knitting blog in the show notes, so be sure to stop by and say hello. Also, if anyone out there has a knitting story that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, please get in touch. I would love to hear your story and possibly share it in an upcoming episode. Well, everyone, that's about it for episode 68. Thank you again for joining me today, and I hope that you'll join me again at the end of next month for episode 69. Until then, happy knitting! She won't even do the dishes The houseplants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clicking From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching. And, well, she's losing all she had.